0: Here's Tuesday's edition of Transformation Radio.
1: And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative comes from the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 44, through chapter 24, verse 12. We'll be reading here today a very dramatic part of the New Testament. Darkness covered the entire land for about three hours in the middle of the day. All nature seemed to mourn over the stark tragedy of the death of God's Son. This significant event symbolized Christ's work on the cross. The temple had three parts. The courts for all the people, the holy place where only priests could enter, and the most holy place where the high priest alone could enter once a year to atone for the sins of the people. It was in the most holy place that the Ark of the Covenant and God's presence with it rested. The curtain that was torn was the one that closed off the most holy place from view. You see, at Christ's death, the barrier between God and humanity was split in two. Now all people can approach God directly through Christ. We'll read about this man, Joseph of Arimathea. He was a wealthy and honored member of the Jewish High Council. He was also a secret disciple of Jesus. The disciples who had publicly followed Jesus fled But Joseph boldly took a stand that could have cost him dearly. He cared enough about Jesus to ask for his body so he could give it a proper burial. Now the tomb was likely a man-made cave, cut out of one of the many limestone hills in the area around Jerusalem. Now such a tomb was large enough to walk into. After burial, a large stone would have been rolled across the entrance. And we'll also read here today that the Galilean women followed Joseph to the tomb So they knew exactly where to find Jesus' body when they returned after the Sabbath with their spices and perfumes. These women could not do great things for Jesus. They were not permitted to stand up before the Jewish High Council or the Roman governor and testify on His behalf. But they did what they could. They stayed at the cross when most of the disciples had fled, and they got ready to anoint their Lord's body. Because of their devotion. They were the first to know about the resurrection. You know, uh, as believers, we may feel like we can't do much for Jesus, but we're called to take advantage of the opportunities given us, doing what we can do and not worrying about what we cannot do. The women brought spices to the tomb as we would bring flowers. It's a sign of love and respect. The women went home and kept the Sabbath as the law required, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday before gathering up their spices and perfumes and returning to the tomb. But when I got there, the uh, two angels, uh, they appeared, they were appearing as two men clothed in dazzling robes, the scripture tells us. Uh, they asked the women why they were looking in a tomb for someone who was alive. Often we run into people who are looking for God among the dead. They study the Bible as a mere historical document and go to church as if going to a memorial service. Hey, but Jesus is not among the dead. He is alive. He reigns in the hearts of Christians, and He is the head of the church. Do you uh, look for Jesus among the living? Do you expect Him to be active in the world and in the church? Well, look for signs of His power. They are all around you. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. April 28th, the New Testament. Luke chapter 23, verse 44, through chapter 24, verse 12. By this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish High Council but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women of Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Psalm 99, verses 1 through 9. Cherubim are mighty angels that comprise one of several ranks of angels. Everyone should praise God's great and awesome name because His name points to His divine nature, His personages, and His reputation. But the name of God is often used so carelessly in conversation that we've actually lost sight of its holiness. How easy it is to treat God lightly in everyday life. If you claim Him as your Father, live worthy of the family name, respect God's name, and give Him praise by both your words and your life. Psalm 99, verses 1-9 through The Lord is King. Let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established fairness. You have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Exalt the Lord our God. BOW LOW BEFORE HIS FEET, FOR HE IS HOLY. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also called on his name. They cried to the Lord for help, and he answered them. He spoke to Israel from the pillar of cloud, and they followed the laws and decrees he gave them. O LORD, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but you punished them when they went wrong. EXALT THE LORD OUR GOD, AND WORSHIP AT HIS HOLY MOUNTAIN IN JERUSALEM, FOR THE LORD OUR GOD IS HOLY. PROVERBS CHAPTER 14, VERSES 9 AND 10 FOOLS MAKE FUN OF GUILT, BUT THE GODLY ACKNOWLEDGE IT AND SEEK RECONCILIATION. EACH HEART KNOWS ITS OWN BITTERNESS, AND NO ONE ELSE CAN FULLY SHARE ITS JOY.
2: Today's in touch devotion.
1: Today's scripture reading is verses 13 through 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
2: When sadness, depression, or loneliness assails us, we may feel as if there's nowhere to turn, But God clearly tells us what to do when we're in need. We're to go straight to His throne of grace. The prophet Isaiah's vision of this setting is so overwhelming that he cries out, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This throne room is filled with God's glory, power, and radiant majesty. It's a holy place from which He rules over the entire universe. We, like Isaiah, may feel unworthy, but God extends His great mercy and love to us from His throne, taking away our sin. We can approach God there once we've given our lives to Him through faith in Christ. As we cry out to Jesus to save us because we know we can't save ourselves, the door of heaven swings wide open and we're ushered into the throne room. We are welcome because Jesus is our intercessor. He gives us access to the God of all creation because He walked where we walk and He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Jesus was tempted just as we are, but never sinned and always remained one with His Father. He invites us to follow in His steps. His death and resurrection make it possible for us to receive mercy and grace at all times. So instead of sitting alone in our pain, outside this wonderful place where we're always accepted, we should run through the open doors straight into the presence of our Heavenly Father.
3: Get in pieces of who I am I try to praise you our Savior with every heart.
0: Jane Fedoroff from Scarsdale, New York, is a personal assistant. She said today on Minute with Maxwell, John, would you talk about results? Well, Jane, that's what we all want, isn't it? We want good results. When we put forth the effort, when we put forth the labor, we'd like to have a return for it. Isn't it interesting that um, we can work hard, but if we don't work smart, we don't get the results we need? And it's always amazed me how some people who never work kind of wonder why they're not getting some kind of return out of their laziness. Jane, here's what I know. When the day is done, there are certain things that are important to us. So I would encourage you and all those who watch Minute with Maxwell to take and make a list of those things that at the end of the day you would like to see accomplished, the results you would like to experience. Not a lot of things, four or five things. Then intentionally go through your day basically saying, I'm going to do the things now that will give me the results at the end of the day.
3: I am guilty. Ashamed of a I dare not live
4: Opened your eyes, did you realize that you would be my savior on the first breath? Left your lips, did you know that it would change this world forever? And the first time that you opened your eyes... I could one day pray for you to save my life, pray for you to save my life, pray for you to save my life.
3: That does it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.